the Click owns this business. Coming down the aisle, Bimbo, Jimbo, baby, who is? You know that I'm the cream of the crop. Give me a hell yeah. Today, woo, I've got the stop and profile like never before. From our studios in downtown San Francisco, this is In The Click, Bimbo Jimbo, alongside my tag team partner, Baby Huey. Hello and welcome again, everybody. We're live, pal. Wow, Jimbo. I cannot believe you're that scared of the coronavirus that you will not sit in the same studio with me right now. I am in a secure, <laughs> undisclosed location right now, actually, as, as Baby Huey pulls back the curtain... <laughs> Of uh, of in the click media here. I, I'm in a separate location. I am very safe. I am very sanitary, and I'm I'm living the high life here. I'm looking over at the beautiful San Francisco Bay right now, uh, as I am in the uh, world's finest arena, Chase Center. Uh, but again, very safe and secure, surrounded by armed guards. Uh, and hand sanitizer. How are you doing, baby? I'm doing awesome. Uh, is Steph Curry there? Can you check in with him? How's he doing? I know he's a little sick over the weekend. Steph is doing great. Uh, <laughs> I, I, well, I welcomed him in uh, to my uh, sort of like uh, safe, the safety of my, my coronavirus conclave here that uh, we will be the survivors. Uh, we have raided every Costco for food and supplies. <laughs> so is we're this- doing good. It's this whole course, thing. The great eateries here at Chase Center, like Bake Sale Betty's and Tony G's, we'll have to to live off of too. So it's great. <laughs> I was gonna say you have everything you need at Chase Center. Like if there was, we like really a- do. It's a great time out, folks. <laughs> it's like there was a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> you could just hide out at the Chase Center for a while. What do you think I'm doing, man? This is this is awesome. I'm just waiting for this whole thing to blow over. So, <laughs> I mean, like literally, there's pandemonium, like. Here at the radio station, or uh, back at uh, some of our friends would say Radio Ranch, uh, our engineers, like, every couple hours, like, do uh, a walkthrough and are, like, cleaning all the door handles and, like, spraying Lysol all over, like, the consoles and the microphones. And um, our buddy Andrew Stern was putting on new uh, little foam things on the microphones. Like, this coronavirus epidemic is like turning everyone extremely paranoid like even like co-workers are brainstorming on what to do in case there's like an issue here and accept your fate <laughs> face it with dignity <laughs> yep, there is and see you heard that i'm not editing that out maybe huey just clearly coughed and has coronavirus so uh that is why it's my I'm asthma sharing- sharing a studio space with patient zero no thank you i will live on into this new utopia that i create in the wake of this virus but i mean in all seriousness uh we are going to be talking a little bit about coronavirus and what that means for wrestlemania uh and everything like that but it has been a minute since we've been able to join you within the click so we want to assuage your fears that we had passed on i was gonna say mortal coil since our last episode 
Our last episode, Dan Soder has traveled across the country twice now for multiple weekends. Yeah. Well, and there's no telling what we caught from Dan. So <laughs> Yeah, his New York. That's like from New York City. I mean, it's rampant. Uh, but <laughs> I, wa- I wanted to make sure that we... That... <laughs> you, you hear that? That's my asthma. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we've, we've done how many episodes of In the Click and never... Has that appeared on on the air before? So I'm right, some water again, right now. Verifying uh, and just uh, sort of validating my decision to do this from my secure bunker <laughs> here at Chase Center. Uh, it is uh, it's yeah, good decision by me. What a beautiful day! Uh, I'm very happy to be back with you here. But uh, we have a lot to catch up on. We're gonna we're gonna skim some of the highlights or lowlights, depending on your your perspective <laughs> of how things have gone over the last uh, few weeks in professional wrestling. Yeah, a lot of anger, a lot of anger uh, in the Twitter sphere uh-huh. and the wrestling sphere for, from certain things. Um, you know, and uh, I have somewhat of a maybe a differing opinion on some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I've seen. So we're going to get into that, but let's, let's start with the whole sort of uh, what I'm calling coronavirus versus WrestleMania, the main event that I didn't think we'd see. Uh, I mean, there's legit, you know, statements being issued that they're instituting like a no touching policy. What is this going to mean for, for WrestleMania access? Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what is your whole take on this situation? Well, I, I guess they're just being precautious, right? Just in case you know, they don't want to, a spread anything you look around the country like over the week last friday uh south by southwest that huge music festival down in austin texas that got canceled but even earlier that day like ozzy osbourne some other artists were canceling their appearance there uh i think like some uh, tech companies social media companies that were going to be at south by southwest they canceled their presence there and then sure enough the whole festival got canceled that's just an example of a huge festival just being precautious with this whole coronavirus spread that, listen, let's not uh, add fuel to the fire. Let's just, you know, cut our cut everything short and just stop this. But, yeah, no, it sucks that this has turned such a huge issue. But I guess for everyone involved, I mean, I know, Jimbo, you know, you with the Warriors, uh, I've heard, like, different NBA teams are telling their players uh, don't take Sharpies or pins from fans, you know, use a – a pin provided by the team itself and like, no, like there no shaking hands with people now. Like it's just really I, I turned into a mess. No uncertain terms. Do not, I repeat, do not shake hands with baby Huey. <laughs> just stay far away. <laughs> I it. There he is again. There it is. He's got it. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, if there's ever a time to, uh, for a massive heel push of, of Lacey Evans, <laughs> now, now is the time. Well, yeah, the didn't she post nasties, something? Yeah. The whole the nasties thing and everything like that, how she already interacted with fans at signings and stuff like that is terrific. So, I mean, they, they in my opinion, they really poor timing for her face turn. Yeah. Uh, because she could be going to the moon with this, this whole thing. And, you know, I mean, God, how prophetic, how ahead of his time was the Dean Ambrose heel turn. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he crapped on it, but Vince was really right all along about that gimmick. With the face mask and everything. The gas mask and everything. Yeah, all you stinky, diseased people. Wow. I guess Vince was right all along about that creative, huh? huh. <laughs> the, well, the other thing, too, is Super like I heard. was a year, I, year ahead of coronavirus. He knew. <laughs> Vince is a god. 
But I'm just saying, like, uh, the Bella Twins, like, I think they canceled their appearance at Access as well. I mean, which makes sense because, you know, they're already pregnant. You don't want them to gain sick and being sick with uh, having babies, each of them. So yeah. I, I get it. Baby. <laughs> what? You screwed it up, Nikki Bella. But I'm just saying, like, I get it. They're just being cautious. Like, with a huge event like WrestleMania, you and I have been to multiple ones now. We know how many fans from around the world show God, up. To- it, yeah. Yeah. We know their living conditions. Some of them, like, share beds in these <laughs> dingy Brooklyn motel rooms. <laughs> Not naming any names. <laughs> God, I got to get tested. You're right. You're right. I mean, we, I- these, these, these disgusting, vile people. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna overlay the Dean Ambrose promo through this whole episode. That's just our take on we it. We need drops for it, but no, but yeah. but but eh, for WWE to their defense, yeah, they're just being cautious because, like I said, so many people from around the world show up to the. It's the biggest wrestling event every single year, so you're having so many different people, so many people from walks of life from around the world showing up, and yeah, you you don't know what these people have interacted with or what they've touched or what sickness they might have, so. Yeah, Can you the, imagine what we came down with standing in the rain after WrestleMania 35 for that many hours? Like, I know. I know the strain of cold that we contracted. We'll just ride in the subway over there. Just... Oh, wow. Okay, John Rocker, ease up. <laughs> wow. Thank, thank you for the 20-year reference. Hey, people will get it. Google it if you're too young. <laughs> I'm, wow, I'm not even just letting that in there, just so people understand. I need my inhaler. I love my. Episode. This might be the final episode I need of, my... in the click that Baby Huey is, is on because you're not sounding great, pal. My inhaler is in my backpack in the other room. I need to go get it. But <laughs> I hope you have more than an inhaler in there, bro. I mean, some seriously strong antibiotics. But I'm just saying, I'm saying, um, yeah, it, it's fine. Like, and you and I, we've been to Access multiple times, and we know, like, Access is a real important thing for WWE as far as the wrestlers interacting with their fans. People spend a lot of good money to get autographs, meet and greets, take photos with them. But unfortunately, yeah, you are meeting a lot of people for the wrestlers. You're meeting, a lot, you're meeting touching a lot of people in a short period of time. And so... It's going to be interesting. Like, I mean, who knows? Maybe access, you know, if this thing gets worse, they who knows? Maybe they can even cancel it just to be safe. But it, it's, uh, yeah, it's a scary situation. So they're just being cautious with the whole thing because you need the wrestlers at the end of the day to show up and do their job at Raw, SmackDown, NXT TakeOver, WrestleMania all that weekend. So I don't blame them. Use the big word, the C word, which uh, was canceled. Oh, uh, there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of speculation and sort of, you know, just mutterings about could WrestleMania potentially be canceled? Uh, I still say no chance in hell. I, I say no chance in hell. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it is like laying all my cards on the table. I am, I am not at all concerned about coronavirus in this moment. However, a lot of people are. Yeah. Uh, do you think there's any, any way that WrestleMania gets canceled? Um, no, I mean, I really think too much money's on the line. <laughs> I personally, I, uh, I, I, the thing is if, if hypothetical, and like, this is all speculation, they haven't officially announced anything at the time it's recorded, but like, what if, 
access gets canceled. I mean, it will suck, and I'm sure WWE will lose a lot of money from all those ticket sales. But at the same time, you got to be cautious. What's more important, putting on WrestleMania or doing all these little meet and greets in a convention center? Getting WrestleMania off, that's more important. But uh, I, I think, I mean, you know, sporting events are still going on. Concerts are still going on. Well, but in Europe, where coronavirus has been, you know, more rampant, mm-hmm. uh, they're playing soccer games with no fans. Yeah, that too. I could mean, you imagine, could you imagine WrestleMania? Like they still do the matches, <laughs> but with no fans. It'll be like, like my God, the bizarreness of that. Well, it'll be like the rock and uh, mankind, right? <laughs> yeah. But but only it would not. They won't be able to like sort of like super produce it like that. I mean, I guess they could for every match, but just uh, God, what what a weird sort of universe that would be. I know it would suck. Like you know, uh, Drew McIntyre. Hypothetically, let's say he wins. He's he wins the title off Brock Lesnar. The biggest moment in his career that he's been waiting. He told us uh, uh, a couple months ago that like if he wins. Uh, winning the title would be the biggest moment in 12 years, like 12 years in the making. So imagine he wins the title finally, the biggest achievement of his career, the biggest title, most important title of all time, and yet yeah, no one's there. Like, that would be yeah, insane. They, they shoot off the fireworks, and it's just to an empty crowd. It's like fake cheering to himself. It's people in the uh, press box, like, up above. Yeah. Dude, press box? No, essential personnel only, dude. There will be no media there. <laughs> It'd be crazy. It'll just be it'll just be uh, WWE PR staff and like <laughs> Corey Graves and Michael Cole. Oh my goodness! Yeah, they'll probably have to commentate from like a separate location too, wearing a mask and uh, no, uh, the masks don't do anything though. Yeah, like that's like the misconception about this is this not this is we're not in a mask situation unless you're Dean Ambrose with the gas mask that will protect you, but uh, yeah, I mean it is it is strange times that we are sort of going through. Uh, right now. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, you know, moving parts with this and a a lot of economic sort of concerns, obviously public health concerns that Trump all that. But, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of ramifications sort of to this whole, to this whole deal. Well, Uh, it's an awesome, it's, it'll be the state of Florida, right? Or the city of Tampa to make that final call, right? WWE, I'm sure for their purpose, they're they're all all in. They're gonna put do well, it. Well, like, like well, okay. So it depends on it depends on the sort of the status of things. And of course, there have been more reports in Tampa, which is just crazy. But uh, like we 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 do this show from San Francisco, mm-hmm. and San Francisco declared a state of emergency. San Francisco then, uh, which is more of a sort of political funding move. But then they 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 sent out a recommendation that. You know, to try and avoid gatherings of more than, uh, you know, for any gathering of more than 50 people to be avoided. Man, I was like, out at the at chapel on Friday night with a couple hundred people. Yeah, exactly. So it's, uh, you know, so they can make their, their recommendations and stuff like that. I, I am. I, I think that a bigger body has to step in to sort of legitimately force cancellations man this really feels like season one of the walking dead or uh, rise of the planet the apes which is the spread of like a virus around the world it's pretty it's just... i never thought this would be the discussion that we'd be having on in the click you know <laughs> there it is 
There it is again. Baby Huey dying. On the, you know what? Kudos to you for toughing it out, for doing an episode while suffering from coronavirus. However, you are still at work, therefore spreading it to your poor coworkers. I'm, I'm going to turn into a walker pretty soon. You are. God, it's going to suck when I have to put you down. I know, man. It's been a minute since you and I have. You like that Wesley Snipes meme with the, the gun in his hand and the tears streaming down his face? <laughs> Oh my goodness! You got well. You got to take him out in the head, right? You got to, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Defeat the walker. <laughs> uh, oh, so you that, can, I, I don't think I don't think there's any chance that that uh, WrestleMania gets canceled at this moment. However, I have been wrong at every turn, sort of in the development of this. I was like, ah, it's not not a big deal. Not worried about it. It's gonna, it's gonna blow over by by this week or that week. And it's like, oh god, it's still getting worse. Like, what's going on here, man? Come on. Get our stuff together. The, like the the hysteria over this has already surpassed SARS and Zika. Yeah, I was gonna say like, didn't we have like issues like this uh, within the last like five years? Like like that's why I'm like that all pl- uh, you know kind of went away within a few weeks. This is like an ongoing thing for like the last month. I'm I'm really surprised at how much people are talking about this, and I don't know like. Like, how do you stop it? Like, is there a way we can, like, actually stop this? Like, do we just take medicine and, and, like, just hide out for a while? I don't know. I'm just. Yeah, well, and, you know, then there was, like, swine flu and whatever it was. Man. I'm just, like, I'm just going to go home and not come out until it's, like, gone. I was going to be, like, on house arrest and quarantine myself and never walk outside for, like, three weeks. Well, it's too late now because you're already there now. And, and you, you've all like, the, like, there it is. And the damage already been done. Um, so let, let's let's move on from that. While while you still have time left on this earth uh, to talk about some other things that are going on in pro wrestling, uh, the we have not touched on it yet. But yeah. uh, the ruthless aggression series that they're doing on the WWE Network, yeah, has uh, been very good. Uh, you know, I, it, it's funny when I was first started watching it. Uh, I didn't realize it was going to be an episodic thing. I thought it was going to be one big documentary. Yeah. So when I was watching what turned out to be the first episode, because I was watching with some friends actually when I was in Portland, uh, and I was like, "Dude, why are they focusing so much on the on the WCW invasion? <laughs> like this, like this thing's going to be over before we even get to like the ruthless aggression era." I was like, "This is stupid." Uh, but then I was like, "Oh, they're doing it. Okay, like blow by blow." And and I I like that it it is very sort of similar to the the Monday Night War series where they cover a lot of the same time period from different angles. Mm-hmm. So like they've done like the episode on John Cena and Brock Lesnar and evolution and stuff like that. So what, what, what have you just sort of like, uh, you know, I know, I guess we talked about it a little bit with, uh, with Dan Soder. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's been very good so far. Yeah. Yeah. I, for me, um, as we touched on with Dan Soder a couple weeks ago is so for me personally, like I, I graduated high school, what 2002 graduate college, 2006. So that four year window, I was really busy just focusing on, my, my classes, going to school, going to college, trying to transfer from junior college to four-year school, um, dealing with a lot of family stuff during that time. And so that four-year window, I was really busy. And for a while, I stopped watching wrestling pretty um, uh, 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 every week. I, 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 I wasn't watching all the time just because 
I was just busy with school and, and doing homework and having a social life and going out and about. And, you know, a little bit, I felt like I kind of grew out of it because the attitude era for me was big during my middle school and high school years. So part of me as growing into a, a young man entering my early 20s, I felt like for a little bit I grew out of it. For I just kind of lost my interest. Part of it also, you think about it, and uh, by 2002, 2003, Stone Cold was kind of going away with his injuries and wasn't around as much, and he took time off, you know, getting pissed off with the whole Brock Lesnar angle and storyline that was going on. So, And The Rock was leaving, going to Hollywood. So I felt like a lot of the wrestlers that I was watching on a regular basis for so many years were going away, and, like, they are bringing in new talent. And, okay, I, I, like I said, it just kind of lost my interest. And so these are years of of the ruthless aggression years that I wasn't watching heavily. So for me, it's kind of nice to watch it and just kind of get uh, a refresher course on what was going on during this time period. And now looking back on it, it really developed a new set of superstars that are legendary in their own way. And so I've really enjoyed it. Like, I mean, I will admit uh, the WCW, the first episode kind of explained when they bought WCW and tried to do the invasion angle I, it was a little um, WWE's trying to control their own narrative, especially when they were talking about how they went from WWF to WWE, and they're like, oh, we're trying to go more sports entertainment. They didn't bring up once the World Wildlife Fund and how that whole legal issue played out, and that's why they had to change their name a little bit. So I thought it was kind of interesting. You For anyone watching this, if you know the full history of WWE, then you kind of know what they're picking and choosing and what they want to present on these episodes. So keep that in mind. Just, you know, they are telling their own story, so they're it's going to be told in their own way. Uh, but the John Cena episode I really enjoy just because I remember when he debuted against Kurt Angle and uh, just his rise as, like, a heel turn, turn into, like, a world champion and just the rise of John Cena as arguably one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And so I need to catch up watching Brock Lesnar and Evolution 1. But like I said... It's nice watching these because these are like periods of time that I wasn't watching closely. So it's a good just reminder how WWE evolved in that early to mid-2000s. Another cool thing uh, that you can check out that I have not watched fully in years but uh, did the other day mm-hmm. uh, is Return to Netflix. And that is Beyond the Mat. Yeah. One of, one of the most sort of momentous documentaries that I can recall uh, of course, you know, uh, documenting sort of the behind the scenes of professional wrestling. They got some unprecedented access to WWF at the time, and they followed uh, independent promotion and two wrestlers from that independent promotion, APW, a.k.a. All Pro Wrestling, right here in the Bay Area. So it, it is so cool to sort of, you know, go back all these years later and watch it. And you see Roland Alexander and you see Mike Modest and all and all this stuff. And it's just it's just very cool that that Beyond the Mat is back on Netflix. Um, and so I encourage you all, if you haven't seen it, pop it up on Netflix and, and give it a watch. Um, what, do you did do you remember watching Beyond the Mat for the first time, Baby Huey? Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time now. And just, uh, you know, it definitely it was like a little bit of a lower production by today's standards. But it was it was cool, obviously, seeing things from like Bret Hart's perspective and what he went through at the time and uh, just the whole obviously the Montreal screw job was a big thing on there and you know Mick Foley and his family in attendance when he was taking all those chair shots as his kids were crying so but uh, I need to sit down and watch again it's been a long time since I've seen it but 
it's definitely up there, which as far as just kind of one of the best documentaries about wrestling. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And it's, it's very cool. And now, I mean, with it being back on Netflix and you can, again, you see all pro wrestling featured uh, in that documentary. It is just, it's so cool going back and watching that old footage from beyond the mat. And now that, you know, APW is still going strong and reaching new heights, you know, and you know, they've, since that documentary, it would be cool to do sort of like another one, you know, maybe independently produced on what, you know, on APW sort of survive and thrive, you know, running the cow palace and everything like that. So mm-hmm. it's cool. It's cool for us. You know, it's, that's our home promotion. Yeah. Uh, so to sort of, sort of be able to see where they were then and now, and that they're still going, is pretty cool. But uh, yeah, definitely. If you haven't seen it, go watch beyond the mat on Netflix. Cause it, it is interesting. You know, as we sort of get older, there is, uh, a segment of the population that, you know, listening to this show that's younger and hasn't seen it before. So mm-hmm. it's, it's very cool that it is uh, on Netflix. Uh, also, uh, that was released since our last uh, recording was the Dark Side of the Ring season two trailer. Um, I know a lot of people are very excited about this. Uh, I am not necessarily as stoked on it as everybody else, not because I think that they do a bad job necessarily. Uh, I, I watched season one and I and I think for the most part they did they did a very good job. They're very well produced, they're well researched, uh, and pretty thorough. Uh, my issue is is that uh, they do not paint they, they, by its very nature as a show, its purpose is to present professional wrestling in a bad light. Uh, and and that uh, is sort of always sort of raises my uh, my radar a little bit. like even in the trailer with Jim Cornette saying, this is not gonna paint pro wrestling in a good you know a good light like publicly or whatever yeah well well well, so because for you 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 just get defensive because you love wrestling and so you don't want people to use this to add fuel to the fire of why uh people who don't like wrestling they can use this as an example to back up their beliefs on it is that ultimately what you're trying to get at My, my my issue is is that when you or I or, or the people listening to this show by and large watch dark side of the ring they take it for what it is. Yes. Isolated incidents that, that happen in an industry that's, you know, spanned years and years mm-hmm. uh, and that they don't they don't paint the entire industry with that brush, mm-hmm. uh, you know, any more than somebody paints the NFL or the NBA or the MLB on their worst day. Yeah. Uh, and sort of walks away. You know, what, what if somebody, you know, what if they did a dark side of the diamond? with 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 major league baseball mm-hmm. and so you, you you your first season is like the chicago black Sox scandal it's like oh yeah. and and it, you know then the, the the casual non-baseball fan walks away from that thinking that the sport is illegitimate mm-hmm. that it is filled with gamblers and cheats or or you know you do another season on barry bonds and roger clemens and how they cheated the game and ruined the record book and then they walk away <laughs> and, and and assume that that everyone is a cheating loser like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and just ruined the record book. Like all, all that's that he's pissed on the, you know, all the, the, the major league baseball is just full of steroid cheats like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens or no. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. So like, it, like or, 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 you, or, or you do, or you do like an, another, Tell another, really feel Rose. it's like, it's just full of gamblers and, uh, or another episode on John Rocker and baseball's full of racists. So it's like my, my issue the Astros, the Astros, exactly. That's a perfect. That's a perfect example. They're all just stealing signs. The NFL, Spygate. The issue is, well, is that wrestling exists in this unique space 
where in, in two point where I, I watched some episodes of this with my dad, mm-hmm. uh, where he, you know, he grew up, he helped foster my love of pro wrestling, but definitely, you know, is not as obsessed with it as, as we are. So when he looks at it, he, he's like, well, is it all, is it all like that? And of course I explained it to him, but there are people out there that are going to walk away from it and think that that's just how it all is. Yeah. That's the issue. Well, and, and I, I totally understand that. And hopefully anyone who watches that show, regardless if they're like a Mark or they're more just a casual fan, that they'll go in it with at least an open mind and understand, yes, these are just isolated events, but they don't necessarily represent the whole spectrum of the wrestling industry for all the decades that it's been around for. So that's my, if anything, anyone listening right now, Please, if you watch it or you know someone that's going to watch it, please just go in with an open mindset and then understand these are isolated events, but they don't represent the full history of pro wrestling. And come on, Jimbo, let's be honest. It's on uh, Vice Network. And you got to think about it. As a network producing a TV show, what sells? Drama. Uh, Of course. So that's why these shows are going to be more dark-based because that's what is what's going to be probably more engaging and getting people to tune in and getting that ratings. And, and again, and again, for for the most part, for the most part, I've really enjoyed them. Like yeah. I love that they did an episode on Gino Hernandez because he's a he's a performer that is not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Montreal one was absolute rubbish. You didn't learn anything new about Montreal. Yeah. That, that was just well, absolute like what a waste. But overall, they they are very well done. Yes, like you said, Gino Hernandez was one of my favorite ones. Also, just the Bruiser Brody one. Just I didn't know the full story. I knew that, you know, he got murdered in Puerto Rico and it was like the Colognes who were in on it. And like, so allegedly they were involved and all that stuff. So just kind of hearing that, the, the full story, you know, from Tony Atlas and all that stuff. And um, I mean, the Von Eric one, I really liked as well. Just just uh, hearing to- uh, Kevin Von Eric, his perspective of his whole family's history. So that was just really cool. So, I mean, out of like the six episodes, I, I recommend uh, checking out yeah, the Von Eric one, the Bruiser Brody, and Gina Hernandez one. But no, but this season, like Jimbo, I, I don't know if you've seen the full list of episodes who they're covering. Is there yeah, a- we got Owen Hart, Chris yeah. Benoit, New Jack, David Schultz, Jimmy Snuka, the Road Warriors, Dino Bravo, Herb Abrams, and the Brawl for All. <laughs> like, okay, like obviously the first one that jumps out to me is Chris Benoit. Just I'm curious how they're going to present that story that what can they say that we haven't heard already? But, I mean, it'll it'll be obviously packaged in a way that kind of tells the full story. I'm curious who was made available. Who That's the other thing. Like, some of the episodes on the first season, there were some people I wish they were able to get interviews with, but they couldn't, or some people turned them down. So I feel like they didn't get the full story from some people's perspective. So for Chris Benoit, I mean, Chris Jericho is narrating this whole season, so I think that's cool that they got him on board and he's going to be obviously in the Chris Benoit episode. But I'm just curious who were they able to get for interviews for each of these different wrestlers and get their perspective on it and get like a full story of all these people. The second one obviously is Owen Hart, just because you and I lived through that as well as wrestling fans. Like we, uh, I was watching that pay-per-view live and we talked about it before in a past episode, just living through that. I, I guess my, um, Season two's lineup highlights more so my my displeasure with with this sort of thing uh, than the first season. Yeah, yeah, because I, I... because the Owen Hart tragedy 
and the Chris Benoit murders mm-hmm. are, are two things that one have been sort of covered over and over. It's very plowed ground. Yeah. It was both were extremely sensationalized at the time. Yeah. And there was a lot of sort of catapulting of like trying to paint uh, the industry in a, in a bad light because of those things. Mm-hmm. And this is giving another sort of um, a, another sort of platform to do that all over again. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, that so that 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 I take issue with. Now, it remains to be seen how they will be presented. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. But the show is called Dark Side of the Ring. So you think it's, uh, it's so, open up old wounds? Yeah, absolutely. And, and stuff that we've again that it, and you're talking about death. Yeah. And like, like uh, especially in Owen Hart's case, like a tragedy yeah. that I don't think needs to be sort of monetized and sensationalized all over again. Yeah. Uh, what what happened to Owen was one of the saddest things. And, you know, and there's been a lot of fallout from that and a lot of talk about that. So I'm not really interested, uh, you know, in, in, in that being opened up again. The Chris Benoit thing. God, the Chris Benoit stuff is so... It is such a weird thing conceptually beyond mm. the obvious, like monstrous act that Chris Benoit did. Yeah. And I, th- I think I think everybody needs to sort of like there's a segment of the wrestling fan base that I don't think that really resonates with them enough. Mm-hmm. Like he was a murderer at the end of his life yeah. uh, and did some really vile, heinous, monstrous things, uh, which, you know, it's like it, it was terrible uh, in the acts themselves. And it was, it was, you know, absolutely terrible for for everyone that was associated with pro wrestling for a long time because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New Jack one is, is I, I think, a sleeper that's going to be just really crazy. So uh, do you think they're going to touch on when that kid lied about his age to wrestle yes, him? Okay. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, uh, th- again, that being said, I think I think this show is is a real – uh, you know, well-researched, well-produced uh, project. I just, uh, I, I just know the optics of it to the the outsiders that watch it. David and Schultz is, is them. Well, David Schultz, that's low-key the one I'm probably also really excited for, just because what he did on 2020 with um, uh, was it John? Is it John Fossil? Fossil? Stossel. Stossel, yes, him. Just like, to me, I always, my brother and I always laugh at that scene, just how he slaps him around. And uh, I always thought that was just kind of funny. And just David Schultz, he was such an intimidating figure and just one of the old school, like, just badasses from back in the day. Um, Road Warriors, I'm interested as well. Dino Bravo, that's going to be really interesting. Well, just like around his whole death and all that stuff. And the Brawl for All, that one, I was kind of like, really? Like, are they really going to, what's like, what's the story there? I mean, I remember watching it as a kid, but I guess more just kind of Vince Russo's idea, and I'm sure Cornette's going to crap on it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious how they're going to fill like a full hour episode or however long an episode is on just the brawl for all phenomenon or, or uh, lack thereof. I remember watching it and I was like, it was kind of like a dud to me if I remember correctly. It was, was it Bart Gunn who was just trying to knock out people? But uh, Bart Gunn ended up winning. It was sort of uh, and then Butterbee. It, it was a way to, um, you know, the, 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 according to, according to legend, it was a way to shut up JBL for him to sort of put his money where his mouth is. In terms of being a tough guy, yeah, uh, and JBL acquitted himself well. Well, he didn't win the whole thing, um, yeah. but but uh, 
you know, he did well for himself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I could see them doing a whole hour. It's just not going to be the sort of the the yellow journalism that some of the other topics are, I, I imagine. But yeah. let, let, let's let's move on to actually some of the actual wrestling that has happened uh, since we last spoke to you all. And I think maybe the 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 biggest thing uh, that rocked the wrestling world is that uh the WWE went down to Saudi Arabia and they put the Universal Championship on Bill Goldberg. Um, I was not expecting that. We all talked about it and we, we thought it was going to be the Fiend adding another notch in his belt. Yeah. Uh, but it was the superhero Bill Goldberg triumphing over the Fiend um, and winning the Universal Championship uh, heading into WrestleMania where he will now face Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people were very, very upset by this. Uh, you know, on Twitter and the wrestling sort of, you know, uh, commenting sections of various websites and everything like that. People were obviously very pissed and upset about it. And I under, I hear you 100% and I understand it. I love The Fiend. Uh, it's a great character. Um, I was not nearly as upset by it uh, as everyone else was. And, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One, uh, it's better for it to have happened in Saudi Arabia than for him to have lost it to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, that, that, that to me on that stage would have been a much worse sort of uh, thing to, for, to befall the Fiend than, it, than for him to lose the championship to a very well-protected superhero-esque character in Bill Goldberg. You can say part-timer and say his age all you want, mm-hmm. but Bill Goldberg uh, has been one of the most well-protected wrestling characters ever. So and it happened in Saudi Arabia, which when all the sort of ink dries on that, nobody cares. Yeah, those just fade to black very quickly. So better it happened there uh, than than it happened on the biggest stage at WrestleMania. However, I will say, uh, you know, with him challenging John Cena to follow that up with a loss to John Cena would be very detrimental to the Fiend character. Uh, but, but in my estimation, baby Huey, if people want to say that WWE killed the fiend, we were there for it live. What (laughs) killed the fiend was in Sacramento at hell in a cell. Yeah. That, that, that is what killed the fiend character. Uh, that took the bloom off the rose and they've never really been able to get it back in my opinion. But what did, what did you think about Goldberg winning? Uh, Yeah. Well, obviously it kind of sucked. That it was kind of more of a squash match and was done within a few minutes. And unfortunately Goldberg, was able to get him lift Bray Wyatt up in a full jackhammer, and it, a lot of people said, "Oh, it's just like a, a suplex." Like the, the 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 finisher wasn't executed properly to the fullest. But hey, Bray Wyatt's a big boy, so I, and Goldberg's you know in his fifties, so he's not going to be lifting guys up like like uh, the giant back in the nineties, back in the day like that. But um, one, I was not completely shocked because. Let's be realistic. WrestleMania, it's a business, and you got to look at what draws eyeballs to the event. And it's it looks like the highest power that be think that a guy like Goldberg has more draw than Bray Wyatt, which is unfortunate because you want to you want to develop the next generation of superstars that can carry the company for the next five, ten years, and not have to keep relying on guys from the 90s and early 2000s because, listen, they can't be around forever. They, they Age, father time always wins, so they're not going to be around forever. 
So there's only so many times you can go back to the well and rely on these guys to come back out during WrestleMania season and deliver. And, you know, there's a lot of fans who criticize that mentality because you're taking the full-timers open spots for a potential to be on WrestleMania. And so it's like, are you really setting up your 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 company for long-term success when you're maybe short-term focusing on bringing these part-timers in just for a quick uh, maybe buy rate or, 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 or a higher rating? But, like, are you really setting your company up for long-term for building up the next generation of stars that keep fans wanting to come back for, for years to come? And so for Goldberg, like, I was kind of hoping what the finish would be was Bray Wyatt defeats him. It's another face to add to his wall of superstars that he's defeated since he's been the Fiend character. And then maybe John Cena comes out and challenges Bray Wyatt and is like, listen, I want to be a 17-time champion. You're in my way of getting that title. I challenge you to WrestleMania. And Bray Wyatt defeats John Cena and just really solidifies the Fiend as like this unstoppable force. And he goes on this tear for the next year. And then who knows? The next person, if they really want Roman Reigns to be the eventual champion, then maybe at SummerSlam he takes it off him or they set it up. So next WrestleMania, Roman Reigns takes it off the the, uh, the Fiend then and then therefore sets up as Roman Reigns as his ultimate monster killer for defeating the Fiend for having this long uh, championship reign. And then, but, but, and then like Goldberg taking on Roman Reigns, you don't need a title for that match to happen. It could just be... Two guys who do the spear, and it's just kind of like a one-off fantasy match. But you don't need a title to make that exist. But like like I said earlier, I, I just think they feel like probably Goldberg is a bigger draw than The Fiend right now, which, okay, cool. For this one-off WrestleMania, it's great. But like long-term, is this really helping the company with their fan base? Well, you, you said a lot of stuff that made sense there. Uh, and I And I think for us – you know, the, the scenario you laid out with the, the fiend and everything like that would have been best case scenario would have been great, would have been something that we would all enjoyed. Uh, but the, the issue is, is that we're 100 percent all in on the fiend, you know, yeah, yeah. WB is not and the, and And they made that abundantly clear at Hell in a Cell, mm-hmm. uh, which which is why, like, uh, again, I will go back to better him to lose it in Saudi Arabia than at WrestleMania. And, 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 but it also speaks to something we, we discussed a lot with the WWE not being all in on him. The Fiend shouldn't have been in the title picture to begin with. Yes. Because the character that, you know, you talk about Goldberg and Roman Reigns not needing a championship. The Fiend doesn't need a championship because his, his sort of desires and everything like his that existence. should be any piece of, you know, the gold that WWE has to offer. It, it, he doesn't need the championship to sort of further his goals and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, especially when you have a character like that, that, you know, again, WWE is sort of, they know is hot, but yeah. they're on the, but they're on the fence about, it's like, don't, don't put him in that spot because if you put the title on him, then eventually he has to lose. Yeah. Because they moved the title on to somebody else. So that, that, that was an issue for me. From the, So I, what I am hopeful for is that God, by some miracle, they realize, like, we need to get this off of him and keep him away from the title scene. Saudi Arabia is done. People will forget about it. He'll get a big win over John Cena at WrestleMania. All will be sort of, you know, restructured, and he'll be back on the path, you know, uh, of being this dominant monster again. Yeah. And I think they knew 
that they wanted to go with Roman as the universal champion. Uh-huh. But I think they understood that they would be right back in Sacramento if they did that at WrestleMania. So, I, I, th- I think people I think they understood that the fan reaction to a Roman Reigns title victory over the Fiend would have been uh, not ideal, to say the least. Well, and you got just what you just said there is like they know Roman is a very polarizing figure. Like he's very divided amongst fans. Like people love him, people hate him. I think right now, where his current spot with the company and as far as what the fans perceive of him, he's getting a decent amount of cheers now when he comes out every week on SmackDown. And I think the 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 management behind the scenes don't want him to lose that. And as you said, if he did that at WrestleMania, he would just be back to being booed again. All the marks out there would be like, oh, damn it, Roman beat our guy that we like, the Fiend, the biggest, the hottest name in the company. And of course, Roman buries him, and that's you know that's what the reaction would be from the fan base. And so I'm sure they're trying to handle this with kids' gloves. And it's like, okay, how can you get the belt back on Roman? So unfortunately, Goldberg, I hate to say, he'd be like a paper champion, transitional champion in between the Fiend to Roman eventually winning it again. So it it, it sucks for Goldberg as far as like, you know, he's just holding it temporary until eventually Roman takes it. But I mean, for Roman's sake and his character, this is probably the safest way. That way he still stays pretty face with the with the WWE universe. I'm rooting big time for Goldberg at WrestleMania. I hope <laughs> I hope he holds on to it. I I I God, I, I think that would be oh, so the SummerSlam. I yeah, absolutely. If he if he were to hold on to it, uh, I, I'm I'm all about Goldberg just being back in general. Yeah. Uh, so, but I am definitely rooting for him over Roman Reigns. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Goldberg spear, even though it's not even his finish, is is a hundred times the spear that anybody else does. So I'm taking taking Goldberg all day there. Come on. Uh, that's So that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, also, coming out of Super Showdown and now rolling through Elimination Chamber is that we have the setup between Undertaker and AJ Styles. They're, they're going to face off in some form yeah. uh, at WrestleMania. Um, I hated the execution of what they did in Saudi Arabia. And I, I'm not really loving what they did at Elimination Chamber either because they've just made AJ look like a goof yeah, uh, like two times in a row. Like, why would they even have a match? I mean, I guess you could do the OC uh, versus Undertaker and Aleister Black at WrestleMania and kind of give Aleister the shine to get a big WrestleMania win with Undertaker. Um, but I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just I just think they've made AJ look kind of piss poor. Yeah, well. Okay, as far as Undertaker taking on AJ Styles, like, it, come on. I mean, AJ just won, what, Wrestler of the Decade from PWI. Uh, 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 he just won Wrestler of the Decade Award. So for the last 10 years, he's one of, if not the best wrestler out there performing. So for him to go out there with Undertaker, it just shows that WWE has a lot of faith in AJ to go out there and put on a good match with Undertaker. With that being said, AJ's probably going to do the majority of the work in the ring, make the Undertaker look good. And But I'm curious, though, like the finish for this match, like would Undertaker actually put AJ over and let him actually get a win here? I, I, I'm not no. quite sure. I mean, we can get into predi- I don't. I don't think so, but the only way I see that making sense, and I, I don't know if I would be a thousand percent on board with it, but from a, like from a storytelling aspect, I could see the appeal. Yeah. And the appeal is... Uh, if you have AJ go over Undertaker at WrestleMania, 
And then as you build to next year's WrestleMania, he starts talking trash about how he's the new Mr. WrestleMania because he did what the old one could never do. And that's beat Undertaker uh. at the daddy of them all. And then that sets up AJ Styles versus a returning Shawn Michaels at the WrestleMania in L.A. next year. That would actually be pretty cool. I would dig that. Look at you, Jimbo. You should be booking for uh, WWE right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd let that happen, though, because Shawn Michaels got the ultimate send off as much as I wanted him to end the streak and continue his career. Mm-hmm. Like that's been done. But yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we've seen it time and time again in wrestling. Well, you know, uh, I, I think it would be more of a, you know, he's been offered. Shawn's been offered match after match with guys that want to face him and bring yeah. him out of retirement and stuff like that. You know, he's wanted to hold to it. I think he did Vince a big favor uh, by having that fake match in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Uh, um, so. Well, l- let me ask you uh, this. Like, for Undertaker, should his last match be at WrestleMania? Or I've seen some people online say Survivor Series, because that's where he technically debuted. If you were the Undertaker, where would you want to go out? Which of the big four? WrestleMania, pay- for okay. sure. Okay. Oh, for, for sure. I mean, it's it's, it's the biggest show um, it, it's, it is a show where he, his, the greatest part of his legacy took place at, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it, absolutely WrestleMania. Okay. Well, like I said, I mean, for AJ Styles, I mean, this is going to have a lot of eyeballs on that particular match because like he's working with the Undertaker. Undertaker always comes out for WrestleMania. So it's going to get for him. It's just going to put him on a higher, uh, uh, platform for people to tune in. So, like you said, also, since he's active, he's going to probably carry the majority of the match. Now, as far as actual quality, will it be a long match? Will it be a short match? That's yet to be seen. It should be interesting. I I hope AJ, to let AJ do some stuff. I know he's been kind of battling some injuries uh, over the last couple months. So, hopefully, he's going to be okay by WrestleMania. But um, for... uh, AJ, like I want him to go out there and deliver a really good match against Undertaker. Because come on, he's a two-time champion with two long title reigns over the last what three to four years. So I want him as a former champion go out there and show everyone, remind everyone, yeah, don't just because he's kind of being a, a heel right now and he's been kind of goofy at Elimination Chamber and uh, Super Showdown. Let's not forget that he's a former WWE champion. So. He is up there with one of the grades, and so, therefore, Undertaker, it should be a big challenge for the Undertaker. Like, it should not be like, oh, it's going to be one and done with Undertaker. Like, Undertaker should be scared of AJ Styles. He can go out there and kick his ass as well, I think. I don't know. I'm just trying to, you know, trying to sell this. Like, everyone thinking, oh, it's just Undertaker's going to squash him. No, I, you know, AJ is one of the greats, and Undertaker should be scared of his legacy, too. That's how I'm feeling about this match, at least why I should care about it what did you think of uh, aw revolution we got a we got a new champion i yeah. think uh you know with with moxley going over chris jericho i think that came at the absolute right time and was like really well executed i i thought they i thought they hit it out of the park again with another really really solid pay-per-view uh what did you think yeah i'm with you it was a lot of fun and for aew i like that they kind of have a similar format as far as NXT goes with their takeovers, like a pay-per-view, like once a quarter. So every two to three months, they do another pay-per-view. So it just, one, gives more emphasis to their weekly shows, why you need to tune in, because they do their storytelling there, and it's going to be a longer build to the eventual pay-per-view for the payoff for all these different storylines and rivalries taking place. But, yeah, just a lot of fun. I mean, it just... um, 
like Darby Allen, I, he's continuing to be like just an such an underrated baby face, like a uh, small guy. He, I, I, I think a lot of people are just loving him. Like he's really coming yeah, around. He's, he's been the breakout star of AEW in my estimation. Yeah, and and there's a lot of people who say like that tag match is one of the greats. I don't know. Like I don't want to say that right away. Like just because it's so fresh in our head still. I want to let it breathe for a bit and maybe we reevaluate re- re- that as far as the all-time great tag team matches. But nonetheless, Kenny Omega, Adam Page uh, versus the Young Bucks, that match was awesome. I-, I think the storytelling that they did was really good because sometimes Young Bucks matches for me um, is hit or miss as far as sometimes they're really cool or sometimes it's like very predictable. It's like, okay, it's high spot after high spot. So literally they're just calling – each other's spots and so you can just see them telegraphing one big spot after another and like the opponents just standing there waiting or helping them set off their next move and it just kind of like where's kind of the storytelling where's some of the the more uh grudge match behind it all so this match i really enjoyed some of the storytelling like they were attacking matt's uh, back and that's an ongoing issue since his time in new japan um and adam page just uh for over a recent the recent few months, he's become more of an interesting character. So that's something I really appreciate is Adam Page kind of getting more character build around him and how at the end he teased the idea of maybe doing a buckshot on Kenny Omega, but then he stopped. Yeah. And so I'm I'm kind of curious how they're going to keep this going. I think for Kenny Omega, as you just said, Moxley won the title. He's probably going to be champion for a while. I think a lot of fans want Kenny Omega to be eventual AEW champion, but I think him being the tag champion just gives him story to keep him occupied for a while before he enters that well, eventual main event scene. I, I think the and it goes to Cody putting over MJF too, which yeah. was uh, you know which was great for MJF, uh, <laughs> keeping 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 those guys out of the uh, sort of main title scene for AEW only only legitimizes the promotion because uh, it's. <laughs> You know, you don't want, you know, Cody, Kenny and the Bucks to start a promotion and they're just in the main event scene all the time. Correct. You, you know what I mean? And so for for Cody to book himself into that spot where, uh, you know, not only does he, you know, uh, he got the title match, but he added the stip that if he lost, he could never challenge for the title again. And yeah. And so now in the for the foreseeable future, he cannot do that. Uh, Kenny has had to sort of struggle at the start of his time in AEW and sort of as, as JR so eloquently put sort of searching for his is his heart that he may have left in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so I think that's been great. Uh, so it's it's really helped the legitimacy of AEW. It's helped put over other people. Uh, so th- that's that's been awesome. Uh, to see MJF also making headlines though with the uh, the flipping off of the the fan that came to meet him. Yeah, uh, I, I love the dedication to character. I think he absolutely did the right thing. That yeah. f them kids is going to sell some T-shirts for sure. Uh, no 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 doubt about that. But that's I, that, to me I I, re- I respect that because it's uh, the whole idea of keeping kayfabe alive and, yeah. you know, and, and being dedicated to your character. I, I, I really liked that, uh, that, that he, that he went that route and it created a big stir, which is sort of funny to me because like in watching it, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. Yeah. Well, I think more of what the dad was complaining and got all upset, but then Cody's response to it all, you know, as an EVP and he's like, listen, the wrestlers are entitled to do what they want at these appearances. So for anything, Cody, was kind of backing up MJF and as far as he was helped keeping kayfabe alive. So Cody's response 
if, if for anyone out there watching or excuse me listening uh, if you have time to look it up look at Cody's response to the father about this situation with MJF flipping off the kid uh, I love that Cody's like supporting his guys which he should but uh, Jimbo come on we got to talk about that Cody match though the one thing everyone's talking about is uh, Cody Rhodes comes out which by the way had he had, you know, downstate performing, you know, his live music yep. entrance. But uh, right away, everyone saw something on Cody's neck, uh, a new fresh ink neck tattoo. Like, what was your thoughts on seeing that ink? Uh, at first, I, I didn't know if it was real or not. Yeah. Uh, it was just like a one and done, which was sort of what I was thinking at first. But then when it wasn't rubbing off, I was like, oh, I guess I guess that's just his his new tattoo. And I know, I know it got a lot of traction online. A lot of people yeah. are we're crapping on it and stuff like that. I think, I think, uh, it just is going to take some adjusting to seeing on him, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I actually think, you know, it, it looks fine. I, I, I think, uh, it's, it, the, I think it's more jarring because he doesn't, and most people that get a tattoo there have so much other yeah. ink ready that it's, it's not as sort of, uh, it doesn't stand out quite as much, but you yeah. know, he, he doesn't have as much, uh, tattoo work. But he, you know, he obviously, you know, thought a lot about what and where he wanted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, you know, the design looks good. Um, yeah. uh, you know, the people can question the placement of it all they want. But, yeah, it definitely created a stir. It didn't bother me. Like, it bothered some people. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't get the sort of, like, obsessive reaction about it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, one of the funny reactions I did hear was it's like, oh, well, now now we got to make new action figures already for him. <laughs> so it's smart. You know, keep 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 making those new figures. Well, for Cody, his response was like, listen, I wear a lot of brands, so I want to make sure my brand is on my body. Like I'm, I'm paraphrasing there. But to his yeah, to his defense, he said, like, listen, I wear a lot of brands representing a lot of different things. But, you know, my brand is what's important to me as well. I want to make sure it's on me. People see it all the time as a reminder. And, yeah, that's the thing. It's like if he had, like, already sleeves of tattoos on him, getting a neck, t- neck tattoo wouldn't seem that that out of the ordinary. But the fact that yeah, he only has, what, Dream on his chest, and I don't know if he has any smaller ones elsewhere on his body, but a, a big neck. T- and it's a big neck. T- like, the actual size is pretty big. Like, uh, I've seen other people with neck tattoos, and it's a little And it's bit colorful. Yes, yeah, you know, he goes not it really stands out on his very tan toned body, but um like I saw some people online said maybe for that type of design, maybe he should have done it on his inner forearm or maybe on his back or something. Yeah, some, but it's his body though. So true. it's like yeah. it's where he wants to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, like come on, like the man sacrifices his body for this promotion going back to when he took that headbutt dive against Chris Jericho and split his head open. He has that scar now or uh, on his forehead and you yeah. know, hurt his toe doing that, um, the steel cage match against Wardlow a few weeks ago, like hurt his foot. And like he is blood, sweat, and tears sacrificing his body for this company to make it successful. Yeah. I, it, it was very interesting to me because it it was, it sort of did steal the, the show from his match kind of deal. You know, a lot yeah. of people were talking about Cody Rhodes tattoo uh, I think uh, if I'm him, maybe the only thing I would change, and again, it's his body, put it wherever you want, is that when he's wearing like the dress shirt and stuff like that, as you know, as he is want to do, as he you know dresses very well, he's part of the office and everything, is that it pokes out part of the way, yeah, in the collar shirt, but not all of the way, yeah. So uh, either you know maybe put it. So if you're only going to really see it when you're wrestling, 
then maybe 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 move it down a little bit so then like you almost have two looks you've got like you know uh office cody <laughs> where you don't see it and then, then you have then you have pro wrestling cody it's like oh okay uh he's got he's got the logo well it's kind of too um, late now for him to move in but well, of course no it's nice. but if i were making like my creator wrestler i yeah. would maybe like with the alternate uh, outfits but like okay let me move that down it's just a scotch so it doesn't doesn't only actually poke up but that, that's that, that's all that's the only uh, sort of uh, mulligan that i that i can offer yeah uh, because it's it's not my it's not my sort of say yeah. uh and so you know uh, i i all i hear is i hope i hope he likes it and i hope i hope that the reaction uh was doesn't make him regretful of his decision was there on the think that's a decision that he took lightly yeah and like what well, i heard like rumor as it brandy was a little upset with it though so that was like Ew, oh boy i hope hope things are okay on the home front though that's oh, my like yeah i mean they'll, of course. Be, they'll be fine uh the other thing i want to talk about with cody and AEW before we move on to uh elimination chamber uh is jake the snake roberts appearing on dynamite and cutting a hellacious promo on cody teasing that he's going to be bringing somebody into AEW, uh, you know, all the rumors online that it's going to be uh, Luke Harper, uh, Brody Lee, um, but, you know, some other rumors out there as well. Uh, but, you know, regardless of who it is, great promo from Jake the Snake, no? Oh, my God. Like, Jimbo, it just shows, like, just how how amazing Jake the Snake is. And, I listen, I know he's had a track record of, you know, of uh, uh, – addiction abuse and it's been well documented on the map yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah very, that's right there you can see it but listen i i know jake the snake has had his track record and you know luckily he's been able to be clean and uh diamond dallas page has helped him with his sobriety and stuff and so i'm all for seeing jake the snake back out on tv like listen just because these guys these legends are older they can't go out there and perform like they used to, but at least give them other things to do to use their name. Their name still has value. And so I think it's really cool that AEW is potentially using Jake the Snake in a new role that he hasn't really been seen before doing. So, you know, he hasn't been on TV in a long time. And so I think this is great. They're giving him this opportunity to come out and maybe be like more of like a manager type role, even though he's such a big dude, he's tall, he's big. So whoever he gets to quote manage, it has to be a big person or he's going to tower his own client, which is kind of interesting, but nonetheless, I, I'm excited, and, but just shows how great he is on the mic. And that's something any longtime wrestling fan knows. Jake, the snake is one of the greatest talkers of this business. And so for him to come out there and say, hail Caesar, you know, keep calling Cody Caesar. And then he dropping the, the mic drop at the end says, you know, uh, turning his back on someone and walking out Never turn your back on somebody you fear or somebody you respect, and then he immediately turned his back on Cody. Yeah. Was, was was very well done. Totally. Uh, I'm so was, excited. It's great to see Jake uh, back in action and doing his thing. And, you know, it's, it's just good to see him uh, alive, healthy, in a good place. Yeah. And, and contributing to the business that he's already contributed so much to. So that was, that was really awesome. Um, yeah. Also, real quick, I just want to throw it out there. I know we're running long, but just want to say – also, at AEW Revolution was announced, and they've been posting on social that they are going to do uh, Blood and Guts. That's going to be on episode AEW Dynamite on March 25th. So it's uh, their version of like a War Games type match where it's two rings surrounded by a steel cage, inner circle versus 
the elite. And so the rules are going to be explained on this week's Dynamite, but I'm excited for that. Like, they're taking the words blood and guts that Vince McMahon allegedly called AEW. And so, and um, we all know War Games match was created by Dusty Rhodes. So that's cool that Cody's trying to do their version of it in AEW. Yeah, very cool. Uh, Elimination Chamber, and the, the, in the lead up to that, we, there's uh, one segment that we have to talk about from Raw before we talk about the pay-per-view. And that, yeah. was, that was Randy Orton and Beth Phoenix and... You know, maybe Beth Phoenix's finest hour mm-hmm. uh, in in WWE, and certainly Randy Orton delivering in a big, big way once again. To me, the Randy Orton and Edge storyline heading to WrestleMania is the best storyline they have going, mm-hmm. uh, and it's I mean, it is truly awesome and truly befitting of WrestleMania. But what did you think about the promo and just that? I mean, what a, what a great way to close it out. It just once again, like it shows that wrestling is more than just going out there and doing high spots. I think a lot of maybe younger fans watching, they're used to, like, guys going out there and doing these big high-flying moves, but there's more to that. There's having charisma, going out there, delivering a promo, uh, the storytelling involved, the type of match that you put out there, and shows that Randy Orton for... Listen, I know Randy is also a very polarizing figure over the years. Some people like his style. Some people think he's very boring and bland, but when you give Randy Orton time on the microphone, as one of the veterans, he goes out there and can deliver uh, A-plus performance on a, a promo. And this just shows how compelling he is. And it was a very compelling just storyline, an argument from his point of view of why he what he did with Edge. And so yeah. I'm, I'm more invested now. I mean, I think a lot of people are now. It, it is the the sort of it is kind of become a cliche now, but the the idea that the best villains are the heroes of their own stories. Yeah, and, and that Randy Orton has his own justification as twisted and evil as it is. He thinks he's doing the right thing, and that it's in fact Beth that should feel shame for allowing Edge <laughs> to come back. It was it was incredible. Yeah. Uh, and I, and the whole storyline right from the jump has, has been awesome, right? including, you know, what they've done with Matt Hardy sort of <laughs> as his last moments to it, you know, tying that all together. I was just going to say, Randy Orton, he knocked the, the crap out of Matt Hardy so bad he went to another promotion. He broke Matt Hardy again. <laughs> uh, but I thought I think that's all been really good. Um, and that takes us to Elimination Chamber. Uh, what did you think of the show? It was um Overall, I, like, okay, listen, it, it's a B-level pay-per-view. It's not one of the big fours, even though they want it to be a bigger deal because these Elimination Chamber matches for the last few years, they have their own stakes involved as far as filling out other matches for WrestleMania. It's like, okay, whoever, usually the stipulation is someone, whoever wins the Royal Rumble will get a title shot for one of the belts, and then whoever wins Elimination Chamber gets a shot at the other title. Well, unfortunately based on the current story route for this year's WrestleMania, all the titles are kind of spoken for right now. So they kind of changed it up and did it with the tag titles this time around and the raw women's championship. But overall for a B level pay-per-view, I thought it was very entertaining while I think like a lot of the big stars were appeared at super showdown, the rest of the roster got time to shine on this pay-per-view. So if you think about it, this pay-per-view had no Goldberg, had no Brock Lesnar, didn't have Roman Reigns, didn't even, you know, the Bray Wyatt. So this one gave other people on the roster time to do their thing and tell their stories uh, leading up on the road to WrestleMania. So overall, I, I mean, listen, it wasn't perfect, and you know, we, we can nitpick little things from every match, but 
overall, I had it on in the background, you know, Sunday afternoon, evening, and I was enjoying it for the most part. And, you know, like I said, we could nitpick individual matches and maybe certain things should have played out differently. But for the most part, I was engaged the whole time. I think the main thing I take away from it, and this has happened a few times, uh, is that the sort of quote unquote throwaway pay-per-views from WWE mm-hmm. are sleeper hits because yeah. Yeah. they give matches time to to breathe and tell a story like like Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak and, Absolutely. and all those things. And you had a great continuation of the Otis and, and Mandy Rose, Dolph Ziggler drama within this. I, I, I think this pay-per-view delivered in a, in, a, in a lot of respects. Yeah, it sucks that, you know, Otis. Maybe some of the some of the bigger players weren't necessarily uh, on there, uh, but you know I I think that it should be a lesson. We talked about it with with AEW not doing so many pay per views and and NXT doesn't do as many pay per views. I, I don't like this like idea that the big four pay per views or however many you consider big at this point in time they have to shoehorn so much into them that it it shortchanges the stories that you're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, like the idea that everyone should get on the card at WrestleMania. It's completely counter to my philosophy about what WrestleMania is. Mm-hmm. And it's what grew up WrestleMania being sort of, you know, I remember before WrestleMania 23, Carlito complained to the dirt sheets about not being on the card and feeling like he, you know, he should be on the card and stuff like that. But the prevailing thoughts at the time was, no, you have to earn your way onto the card at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Fast forward out of the seven, eight hour WrestleMania <laughs> shows that it's like we get the entire roster plus everybody that's coming back on there. I just I just don't think that's the right way to go about it. And so if you could somehow strike a, some sort of middle ground between these shows and and the big ones, I think you'd be onto some really special stuff. Yeah, well, I, come on. We grew up knowing WrestleMania as the showcase of the immortals. Not everyone is an immortal on that roster. So sorry, not everyone's going to get time to shine. You, you got to focus like, I mean, we can maybe talk about it next episode, but like you can kind of tell what are the other matches that are potentially going to be uh, put together for WrestleMania. Like, okay. Like you could tell the U S title might be like a fatal four way with everyone involved in that storyline. So it's like, you're going to get a lot of like triple threats and fatal four ways at WrestleMania. Like we've seen over the last few years versus more just one-on-one type matches, which I think make the most compelling stories. So, unfortunately, as you said, we're going to get a lot of those uh, triple threats, fatal four ways just to fit everyone on the card. And it just becomes, I think, very convoluted, very a cluster F of, of talent out there. Um, but the they did thing- a really great job at Elimination Chamber of building Shayna Baszler. Yeah. Uh, well- it, the exact kind of killer uh, that she needs to be in sort of approaching a somewhat overconfident uh, Becky Lynch. I know before we went on the air, Baby Huey, you were making the comparisons of sort of Clubber Lang and Rocky Balboa. <laughs> I think that is absolutely a story that they could tell at WrestleMania yeah. with how Becky's been acting. I don't, I don't know if they would if they would go this route, but almost not a squash, but have Shayna run through Becky and then have the Becky redemption tour where she's got to crawl her way back up. She's got to find that eye of the tiger again mm-hmm. to get back to Shayna and eventually slay her at whichever at whichever pay-per-view that they that they meet again. And I and I think that's a great story. So uh, that being said, I'm rooting for Becky Lynch, but yeah. they could also tell a great story doing it that way also. OK, so let me ask you this. So uh, a couple of, uh, I want to get back into the, the tag elimination chamber in a second. But for Becky, OK, let's say it is like a Rocky three and like, you know, 
Becky, theoretically, she's been champion for almost a year now. She's beaten everyone in her division, very much like Rocky Three, beating all the opponents, and he's just kind of just kind of going through the motions. And Becky, I know she's been a little cocky lately on on Raw television, so uh, maybe that's the, the the parallels there. But and you know, uh, Shayna Baszler is the hungry one who wants the title. Literally, she's hungry. Took a bite out of her a couple weeks ago. But yeah, like, like weapon if Shayna is the one who just beats her because she just wanted it more. So as you said, she Becky goes on this redemption story, very much like Rocky. So he went to Clubber Lang, his former foe, to help him get back that eye of the tiger. Who would you want on the on the roster to help Becky get the eye of the tiger? Who could go? She can go tap to for help. Well, I mean, if 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 you're going strictly uh, based sort of like Rocky Three status, yeah, she'd go to Ronda Rousey. <laughs> really, not Charlotte Flair. She could go to Charlotte. That would that would work too. But I think that who made the man. Like what was what was the what was the thing that led to Becky's rise, you know, in terms of more than anything else? There was the Charlotte feud and obviously her, you know, Charlotte stealing her moment at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. But really, it was her and Rhonda. Okay. It was the I choose you, Ronnie. It was and they 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 threw Charlotte into that hashtag shoehorn Charlotte into that situation. Uh, I'm also not ruling out a Ronda Rousey return at WrestleMania playing a playing a role in that also. Okay. Uh, but but if we're going through that, it would be there, there'd be three. Ronda Rousey would be the number one option. Charlotte Flair and then Oscar would be number three. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I would I would think it would be I would it would be Ronda and it would be interesting to see if they could tap that somehow. Yeah. Where, like that that would be a that would be a good. Uh, backstage uh, sort of series of vignettes, <laughs> like Hogan and Mister. Like how do, you, like the, like, in, like how did Ronda deal with losing? By the way, not well yeah. in UFC. Yeah, and not dude. well in WWE when she lost. We haven't seen her since. Yeah, dude. Uh, we could totally- so I, I, I would almost think that uh, you could make the argument that that Becky could go to Ronda and and realize that Ronda's like a like kind of a a dark person. She can't deal with losing. It would sort of set the stage more for a a sort of traditional heel role for Ronda. Um, but yeah, that that would be in terms of if we're going via like Rocky storylining. That that's who I would pick. Yeah, I mean, like you think about Ronda MMA, Shayna MMA, and there's allegedly friends, and so I don't know how much they want to uh, mention that. But yeah, totally. What better way to yeah attack an MMA fighters with Ronda than by checking in with Ronda Rousey for help? That could be. Very interesting thing. And well, it, she could go to Rhonda for help and have Rhonda in her corner, and Rhonda just screws her over. Yeah. So then we have to reprise their feud first. So that will sort of be step one in her redemption arc, and then step two is getting back to Shane and just beating her on her own with of her own merit kind yeah. of deal. Oh man, look at that, Jim! But you and I just wrote like six months worth of. Uh, WWE programming, right? but, but what we need is we need Paige in her corner at WrestleMania to have a heart attack, uh, and then you know, then, so she'll be concerned about that, and then Clubber Lang will beat her, or Jose Lothario for uh, for those of you that already know that they, 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 they listen. WWE's tried the Rocky Three thing before, so it's it's not exactly new ground. He's pointing uh, to the heaven. <laughs> exactly. So with Jose Lothario, uh, uh, they, Shawn Michaels, and Sid, they they've already done Rocky Three, yeah. and you know Shawn redeemed himself at uh, at Royal Rumble '97 uh, in the Alamo Dome, and it was great. Uh, just real quick, I wanted to ask you about the the men's tag elimination match. 
Um, as you said, like I think the big storyline in WWE is is Randy Orton Edge. I think another one that people really love is the whole Otis Mandy Rose yes. Dolph triangle love triangle there. Now, okay, just the outcome of that match was just Miz and Morrison retaining, and and Otis and, and Tucky, you know, got eliminated pretty early on in that match, and I think a lot of people after they got eliminated were very upset, and he just kind of fell flat for the rest of that Elimination Chamber match. Uh, I was kind of hoping that maybe Heavy Machinery and Dolph and Rude were, like, the last two, and, like, uh, uh, Dolph pins Otis somehow. They become the new tag champions, but then Otis is the one to beat them at WrestleMania, and so they get their moment. They win the tag titles, and then somehow Otis wins back Mandy Rose, has this ultimate WrestleMania moment. I don't know how they're going to get to that now since Miz and Morrison retained the titles. And I know a lot of people could play, well, if you go that idea, then Miz and Morrison's title reign was very short, just a couple of weeks since Super Showdown when they won it. But, like, I was kind of hoping that was the route they were going to go. I am glad that they kept the tag titles on Miz and Morrison. Okay. Um, no disrespect to Tucker Knight. Uh, but what I want at WrestleMania mm-hmm. is a one-on-one match with Otis and Dolph. Okay. I, 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 I don't really want to muddy it in, in making it a tag match because this is a personal matter of the heart. Okay. Uh, and it, and in, and, and in that you have Tucker in Otis's corner, you have Bobby Roode in Dolph's corner and Mandy Rose is the wild card. And so I think, uh, in, in I see big things for Otis, in his career in general. Yeah. And I think, I think a big singles match at WrestleMania with Dolph Ziggler, uh, it is outside of the edge and Randy Orton thing. I think it is the hottest Mm storyline that WWE has in spite of their lackluster execution on Valentine's day, uh, with that whole thing. Um, but obviously there's more shoes to drop on that and what happened there and everything, but it is very exciting. So I I think they, I think they ultimately made the right call because I think, A singles match is what this feud calls for. Okay. Uh, and you just have the their respective tag team partners in their corner. Um, and, I, and I'm very much so looking forward to it. I wouldn't be surprised if this stretches beyond WrestleMania, though. Okay. Uh, so we will see how that plays out. But I'm, I'm just going to say real quick, because I'm hoping, like, maybe we find out Sonya was the one who took Mandy's yes, phone and, absolutely. like, texted Otis, and that's what made Otis late. And then Dolph came in, you know, swooped in. Like, Sonya told Dolph where Mandy was having dinner on Valentine's Day, and that's why he came in. And so maybe Mandy finds out Sonya was aligning herself with Dolph and realized Otis was right all along. And then maybe, you know, she low blows Dolph at WrestleMania. Otis wins, and then Otis carries her on his shoulder like Macho Man, Miss Elizabeth style like creating this new awesome moment for Otis to get the girl finally. But it very much feels like a high school uh, 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 romantic drama, you know, type of situation. It it has been excellent. And I, and I think what you laid out is, is very on point to what they actually might do. Yeah. Uh, And and I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it, man. They, they like this, the, it organically got over, uh, and the people are really behind Otis and really into this Mandy Rose storyline. So I, I think I think it, it's stuff like that's fun when it's when it's clearly something that they didn't think would become as big a deal as it was, and it just they just stumbled upon gold. Mm-hmm. And and so I hope I hope they really run with it. But we are over time. I have to. Uh, I got some people here from the CDC that I need to talk to about <laughs> making sure that uh, they. <laughs> 
all the other infected as he coughs again into his microphone. Don't make their way into my secure bunker here. Uh, but that is going to do it for us this week. For Baby Huey, God rest his soul. I'm Bimbo Jimbo. And remember, if you're not in the click, see ya. And I wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs>